If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello and welcome back into the Savage Situation podcast. It's your host here, Adam Savage. Good to have you guys here. And we've had such an amazing couple of seasons. We're back with a third season. Now I have a co-host every week, Ian Chambers. And we've got so much coming your way. And we have guests coming on. We're talking about the gaming world as well as, you know, things like online, lifestyle, sport as well. So it kind of encapsulates kind of everything that we like. And we hope you guys enjoy it as well. Now, one thing that's really going to help grow the show and expand to a bigger audience and broaden its horizons is if you guys do leave a review. It's really important important to subscribe and follow to make sure you never miss an episode but reviews are so key to getting us as high up the charts as humanly possible so that everyone can hear our brilliant podcast that you guys obviously a massive part of as well i do make sure to leave a five-star review if you can that'd be amazing with a comment as well and hopefully it'll boost our show to outer space and beyond enjoy this new episode it's a banger if i do say so myself i would say that though but genuinely enjoy Hi guys, welcome back to the Savage Situation podcast. My name is Adam Savage, and on this series, we're joined by a ton of different celebrities, musicians, and influencers talking all about their personal history and love of video games. We've had Ali A on the show, we've had Trixie Mattel, Bring Me the Horizon. The guests have been amazing so far, but there is still plenty more coming your way. Let's find out who's up next. This week on The Savage Situation, I'm joined by Dan Lassac, who you may know as one half of Dan Lassac versus Scroobius Pip. Having shot to fame through MySpace, he's gone on to travel the world with his music, tour with the likes of Mark Ronson, and was even nominated for an MTV Video Music Award in Japan. I'm delighted to have him on, as he's also a massive gamer, and has even written the score for a game or two as well. Plus, he's also spent the last 20 years living in my hometown, so we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm delighted to be joined on The Savage Situation today by my main man, Dan Lassac. Dan, Hello. thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, I left the house. You everything. left the house? Yeah, I braved it. It's, it's cold out there. It's getting. It's very wintry. This time of year gets very cold. It's kind of fine. It's but fine. it's that thing of like every time I think it's cold and then I, I put my layers on and I get into London and it's like, oh God, I'm boiling, man. <laughs> it's so it's, hot. The underground's deceptively warm, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a microclimate of just, just heat. And because we're people, because we're in a posh bit now, yeah, we're in you nice just bit. get a big sweaty red man getting off the train, and there's <laughs> women with Dior going, "Oh my god, who are you? Who let him in?" Oh gosh! Uh, well, thank you for coming out. Thank you for thank braving you. the weather and being here today. There's lots to talk about. Uh, this predominantly being a gaming podcast, well, I know that you're a big gamer, so that's probably where we should start. I guess uh, the origins of Dan Lasak's life in gaming. And where it all began for you. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird because I like I had a Spectrum when I was a kid. A Spectrum? Spectrum 48K. Bear in mind, I'm 40 years old. You don't look it, Dan. I don't. I don't look a day over 39. <laughs> um, but I've got two older brothers as well, so I kind of got their hand-me-downs. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad had a master system that we weren't allowed to play. 
but I used to sneak in and play. Um, Alex the Kid was it or uh, Wonder Boy? Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy, and God, um, that's great. I had an RPG called Ultima Six, which you can get if if you go onto the Origin Store, you can get all the Ultima games. But the only okay. one that I could play, play as a kid was Ultima Six, and it was five pounds more expensive than the other Master System games, which must mean it was better. It must do. If yeah. it's more money, it's got to be better. Yeah, I cannot remember anything about it. I just remember it being that old kind of blocky RPG. Was like a fut- was it futuristic, like kind of space? No, pasty. Okay, it's like pasty. paladins and barbarians. That oh, you okay. Know. Ultima Six. I'll check it out. Yeah, so they they did a whole thing. They had a MMO Ultima Online and stuff. God, they really, but, they really ran with the series, the Ultima games. Yeah, they did. Oh my god! Like and say. and do, so you, the three of you, your brother, you, the three of you boys, three of us. So you were you always competing growing up on games across the board? No, because like my eldest brother was the one most into gaming, but he's a clear like ten years older than me. Okay, so he's just always going to be better, you know, always. And it, like, so I remember him buying himself a SNES when they came out, and uh, yeah, he, he got. Obviously, Mario World and Super Tennis. Super Tennis was <laughs> rad, but he was very skilled. Yeah, so I used was to it, have to sneak in and practice. There, there was a Mario. There was a Mario. Do you remember Mario All Stars? Do you remember mm-hmm. that game that came out? It had like one, two, three, and like a, and Lost Worlds in one game. Yeah, so I, I always get confused because like Mario All Stars is wasn't it like some weird? That's actually Japanese Mario Two. Yeah, yeah, yes. That's and, correct. But yeah. It was deemed too hard for us because you had the Super Famicom, which is like kind of the SNES version in Japan, right? And yeah, it, you had like a yeah a different Mario the Super game, Family the Computer, Super Fami- yeah, the Famicom. But yeah, I think I, I, if I remember rightly, like I'm probably wrong though. I'm usually wrong with these things. I, it sounds right, so yeah. it must be true. It had all the games though. It had all the That's games. We it had all the games. But I mean, I mean, Mario, yeah, Mario was. I mean, Super Tennis is. I remember that like like it was yesterday. That was mm. a great game too. But the, the I mean, you said the Super Nintendo was. Did you kind of? Go from Master System to like a, a NES or a, a was there like a, a, a no, was always like Sega. I, I was thinking about it. Like the first time I ever actually had my own thing was Sega Game Gear. But, <sighs> wow! And oh, I held on to that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I had even had the uh, Master System adapter for it, which was <laughs> dumb. It was like a big thing, so you could put Master System carts on it. Which is the weirdest thing. That is weird. We used to have a lot of like. There was a lot of extra peripherals. Like there was, there was. I remember there was like a like a light for the Game Boy because the Game Boy Mm -hmm. you couldn't play unless unless you were underneath a window. You had to be underneath a window to see what was going on. But there was like a magnifying glass for it. There was lights. There was one that was magnifying glass and a light all in one. Yeah. It's like, like play whilst in bed at night. <gasps> your parents aren't watching. You know, it was it was it was great. <laughs> That's great. And like, now we can just do supercomputing on our phone. Yeah. Just turn up the brightness to like a hundred <laughs> and you're ready to rock and roll. I mean, that, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's pretty, I mean, Spectrum to Mars System to SNES. You obviously had like, uh, I guess it's a good thing and a bad thing that you kind of had your kind of brother's hand-me-downs in a way. Mm. But when you get to like having your own console, like, I mean, the Game Gear, I remember things like Jungle Book, The mm-hmm. Lion King. Was it Columns? You played Columns as well? Was that on the Game Gear? Columns. Yeah. yeah. I, I was weird with it though. I would just buy any random RPG. And I think it was because I just knew they would take more time. Yeah. You know, I was being value for money, you know, <laughs> and I'd go to our local game shop and you'd end up trading in like five games to get that one new game. Yeah. So, you know, they were expensive, man. They haven't really changed price as well. No, they haven't. Was, was, was Fantasy Star, was that, was that a game that was on, was that, I remember that was an RPG or Final Fantasy games were big. Fantasy Star was uh, Sega, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. Dreamcast. 
yeah, Google Fantasy Star Dreamcast controller. It's okay. literally a keyboard with the nubbins <laughs> of a controller on either end. With, yeah. with like sticks and an entire keyboard. Yeah. Which is, those were the days. Were, were you arcade gaming as a kid as well? You done the arcades? Well, I'm Essex, so we used to okay. go to South End and, and play the, the hacks, Street Fighter <laughs> consoles. <laughs> like like the, 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 the back door... Kind of about the back alley well, kind of version. Well, you know how you can have Terminator in, in Mortal Kombat these days. Yeah, where, which, are, which is fun to watch, but... Where I grew up, you could have him in Street Fighter, in Hacked. Like, <laughs> so you used to get these like arcades that would just be all dodgy copies of Street Fighter, and they would have bought like a modded board, because it was literally a board they yeah. slipped in. But yeah, you, all sorts of weird stuff. Like, at first, we used to just be... Fo- purple blanker and then all of a sudden they were like trying to import characters from different games in but all they would be doing is putting the sprite over the top so they would still be like uh dalsim or something's moves yeah weird time street street fighter 2 i think was my introduction to fighting games in general it was like the entry point yeah because mortal kombat was a little bit i mean it was quite gory in comparison to street fighter yeah i think the Super Nintendo with me was that was the introduction was, was Street Fighter Two for me. That was that was a it's great. It's funny game. though because the arcade machines were designed for six buttons, and mm. at the time none of the none of the consoles had six buttons. No. Or if they did, they were badly laid out. You always had heavy kick. On yeah, the left. I remember. And it's like, come on, guys, this is the, the worst place for it. I'm trying to do moves here. <laughs> I'm doing it all with one hand. You, I mean, you grew up you grew up in Essex, but one thing that we have in common is is the town of Reading, my friend. Yeah, the I've Red, Reading in... is like. It's my hometown, and you spent a lot of time there, right? I've literally lived lived there half my life now. It's fifty okay. fifty Reading Essex, but I'm still Essex. For anyone who's listening who who doesn't know Reading in the UK, it's definitely the size of like a small city, but it just doesn't have a cathedral, so it can't be. So it can't be, yes, yeah, and that's annoying. To be. So well, it's like Chiro in yeah. Cornwall. That's a city. There's yeah. like four guys there. And exactly, a dog. exactly. So the, I mean, Reading is it, it's a great place. I mean, it, it is. It um, is. And looking at um at your past as well in terms of like your music career mm. and everything you've done um, in between. One of the places that I think you met Scroobius Pitt, I think you booked Scroobius for a gig at the Fez Club. To play the Fez Club, yeah. That's right. And Fez Club was, when I was growing up, that was the place I went to every single weekend. So it's like this weird world where we kind of like we're in the same place at the same time. Mm. But only now we've become best friends. So we, we knew each other before that. We worked in the same HMV years before that in stuff. in the town center in uh well in essex in, in essex in, okay. uh, lakeside lakeside oh shopping oh, center shopping, shopping center life mate yeah. um <laughs> but yeah we we knew each other from them but like when he he quit he saved up his money and he was going to go on tour and stuff mm-hmm. and i was like oh cool yeah i'll book him because we were running nights like weird electronica nights and stuff so we thought we'd put a spoken word artist on as an opener <laughs> um but what he didn't tell us is he'd never stood on a stage before so, Ever like literally had this like relying on the kindness of strangers tour and it looked like a big thing but literally it was the first time he'd ever stood on a stage he'd practiced obviously yeah. he wasn't rubbish or anything yeah but yeah and then we kind of started working together and it was a year later it was like was it 2007 2006 was that gig right and i think at the end of 2006 was like when the song blew up and we were like on radio and all that and then by march the year after March, we were in the charts. Yeah. So when it, it, it happened pretty quickly. Yeah, like we weren't a band when we were in the charts. We still hadn't agreed to yeah. like form a band and write songs together. Gosh. I mean, I mean, I, 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 think, I think of Reading in that time being in, in, in town as well. Mm. And it's now kind of, you know, 
there, the, my my entire youth was spent on the on 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 the streets of Reading. In, in the, the, yeah, main the main street. street. Oh, I remember back in the day there was, there was a club in Reading called the Matrix. Do you remember mm-hmm. the Matrix? The, the Matrix was like if if, if you're a garage oh, fan going out of town. Yeah, it was like yeah, kind yeah, of just yeah. out of town, and it was like it was the home of the So Solid crew mm-hmm. from the garage, right? And I remember that that was the kind of way. So they... Ronnie Size at the Matrix. Really? Like performing live with the band when no the venue wasn't prepared to have live bands. <laughs> oh, we put Ronnie Size. Why has he turned up with like a full jazz ensemble? Yeah, what is this? <laughs> I mean, I'm, that, that, I remember that there was that like kind of this t- turf warfare with garage music as well. And that, that was so yeah. solid to like home. Like, that was their home turf. And uh, growing up, it was, quite, it was quite exhilarating. It was quite I like I like that the... Um, um, the home of, of Reading Garage got yeah. shut down because of noise complaints. It did. It's like the most mundane way to go out. You you want it to be like an explosion yeah. or like a drugs bust or... Nah, just, it was yeah, just a, it was a bit noisy. noisy. Yeah, a bit noisy. A bit noisy, guys. Yeah. You could have put God. some better uh, sound... Proofing in the roof. There. I know, I know. That would have been great. God, yeah, if only. But it was. I mean, yeah. I mean, there was there was a lot going. I mean, Reading, Reading in general was a place where a lot of people have been. I've come from. I think Ricky Gervais came from Reading. Yeah, he's from Whitley. He's yeah, a Whitley boy. Kate, Kate Winslet comes from Reading. Yes, I worked with her uh, cousin allegedly when I worked in the Virgin Mega Store. Really, there was a girl there that claimed to be Kate Winslet's I cousin. Claiming to be. I don't think she I, was. I but, genuinely have know. a claim to fame with Kate Winslet. When I was a kid, I did live around the corner from her cousins. So this is once again, this oh, okay. is weird. Okay, her actual cousins, actual cousins, like legit official. Yeah. Every Christmas for like three years in a row, she came carol singing to my house. Mm. Like Kate Winslet. At the time, I didn't know who she was, but um, I remember the last one, the actual last time I had a conversation with her. I said, "What? Yeah, what, what have you been doing?" I was like twelve. What have you been up to? She goes, oh, "I just finished a film called Titanic." Mm-hmm. Then that was it. She's gone now. She's Hollywood. That, Hollywood. I think I've heard of that. It was the one with the boat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was a few. Yeah, yeah there was the- some, some sinking. Sinking boat, thing. sinking boat thing. Reading's weird though because it's um, it's what the music industry likes to lovingly call the secondary market. Because <laughs> Oxford's good, London's yeah. good, and then Reading's just sat in the in middle. Between. Like, why would you go to Reading? Yeah, but it's one of those towns that's just kind of overlooked, but things still happen there. Yeah, you exactly, know? exactly. I mean, well, I mean, you mentioned you, you know two thousand six seven. Um, you hit the charts and. Uh, you know, you, you described yourself in the past as a laptop musician as well. Yeah. What what does that actually, what does that mean to be a laptop musician? Just like literally I don't, on, the, well, on, on the lap. I suppose like when I said that, which would be a while ago now, mm. it wasn't really the thing to perform with a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't very easy to do it. You know, you, you kind of needed... Like, the audience isn't going to be very excited if you're just wiggling the mouse around and clicking it. It's not eSports. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's like that <laughs> that bit of, like, trying to... Yeah, it's just going to work on a live yeah, so yeah, it's, performance. It was difficult to get people knowing what was going on. That's why, like, laptop musicians end up with, like, peripheries and knobs and yeah. buttons, just to make it obvious that you're actually doing something live rather yeah. than just, just pressing play. Like Calvin Harris, just go, boom. Yeah. <laughs> You know. Give me all the money. Yeah. Vegas, you know, New Year's Eve every year, there's always Calvin Harris playing Vegas. I, I think about the amount of money that you must get. He's to, done all right. To, yeah, he's, he's done, done all right. right. But didn't you tour with Mark Ronson, right? Was we that, did. Okay, how, we did. That's, I mean, that's a pretty exciting That was good, that. Yeah. And we were first on, but we were getting paid like way more than the band in the middle. <laughs> all right, but the band in the middle just had a better manager than us. So they had like been, we'd been booked in that order and they'd come in going, no, we need a better billing because their singer... Did a song with um, Ronson. 
Okay. So it was like, we need better billing, you know, and we were like, yeah, we don't care. Yeah. You're still paying us the same amount of money. Yeah, it's fine. Did the middle band know that you were getting paid more as well? Yeah. Oh, that's And their okay. crew did and all that. <laughs> oh, no. And it was just me, Pip, and Soundman Jim. Just Soundman Jim? In Jim's van. Not even like a proper touring van. It was like a workman's van. And we just rock up. All right, yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. I'll just set up my laptop in the middle of the stage. <laughs> and play. There you go. <laughs> Hello, Ronson's fans. You don't like us. It's good. This man with a beard's going to rap at you. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Ronson's always gone, gone huge. Isn't it? I mean, he's, he's a nice huge man. Yeah, he's a okay, nice okay. man. So like, I, mean, I, I meet a lot of characters across the music industry and gaming industry, of course, as well. You know, different industries, but it's always nice when you find someone who is a, a genuinely nice person. I thought he was going to be an arsehole. Yeah, like, like genuinely, he'd blown sort of. He'd had Uwe, the like hip hop Ronson. Had already happened, but then he had the the poppier, not, not pop as a derogatory mm. term, but mm. that big boom of the covers and all that was when we toured with him. And I just thought, like, he's like a rich lad who bounces back and forth from London and New York. New York, yeah. We've got nothing in common. And then the first time we met him, he was walking through like Geneva Airport or something, and he had both his record boxes on him. And of course, he did. He yeah. was grumpy and sweaty. Would you have a long coat like, on? He didn't. He okay, didn't. It was summer. Okay, it would have yeah, been yeah, silly. He's, silly. He's not a stupid person. He's not stupid. But like, and it was just like, oh, he's actually down to earth and all that. And mm-hmm. he's a, like a normal human. And he's fully aware that he's privileged, I yeah. suppose. Like, yeah, yeah. that's the thing. I don't mind if people have been born lucky as long as they know that they've been born lucky. <laughs> but yeah, so he was a nice guy. And then to ask us to come do the tour was kind of like, really? Yeah, we'll do it. Great. It wasn't like a May long tour. It was only like five or six dates, but because I guess um, with you and Scrubius as well, you uh, you were doing like I guess spoken word is very much a part of like your I guess your repertoire of work as well. Yeah, and he was working. I guess Ronson was working with like Lily Allen and those kind of talent mm-hmm. as well at the time. That's kind of all in the part of the same bubble, I guess, mm. as well. Um, so it must have been an amazing experience, amazing time, you know, to kind of yeah, be touring and doing cool, that kind of stuff. Man. It was really good. And yeah, was like, good. we did all sorts of stuff, like because we supported. We got to support Ronson, but we also got to support Billy Bragg and Basement Jacks and uh, RZA from Wu-Tang. Yeah. We supported him. And it's like, because we were like so nothing genre-wise, like, it was it grime? Not really, because he's doing spoken word. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is it dance? Well, not really, because I'm too lazy. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? We were in this weird bit of... We fit with so many different bands that we got to play cool shows Amazing. and stuff. I think we even supported ABC at one point. Yeah. Shoot that poison arrow to my heart. But like, <laughs> like what the, you know. Did you, I mean, I've got to ask throughout this entire time, did you still find a way to take gaming on the road with you? Was there a way to do that? <laughs> it was funny. Pip did. Pip just played Champman on this like broken oh ass God. laptop the whole time. <laughs> Like that laptop, it would chug. You would hear it sigh as he opened the lid on it. It was just like, oh no, don't, don't turn me on, man. The one that every time you open it went, yeah. But yeah, he just smashed that for years. And I picked up a PSP along the way. I didn't think I'd go Pocket for a while, but it was only good for fighting games. Yeah. And it's just not fun on the road. I mean, Chat Manager, was that when it was still good or when it kind that of changed? It was when it was still good. Oh, okay, then it changed yeah. over to somebody else and it was terrible. I think, exactly. yeah, terrible after It was that. at that, tran- just before the, the it transition. Went, went poo. I used to have a friend of mine who used to play Chat Manager and he used to, at the end of a season, print out his stats and highlight things against his friends and see who'd done better in certain, like, you know, games. I thought, that's taking it to another level. I don't want to go there. 
That doesn't interest me at all. Games are weird. Like games that, are though. weird. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's got their thing. They're kind of well, they're, they're niche. Like, you look at things like Elite Dangerous and stuff, and there's just people who are just hauling ca- cargo. That's they just do. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just flying around the universe, just shipping goods from one. You could do that in life yeah. and get paid to do it. Well, I mean, Death Stranding's just come out as well, and that's a lot of that is taking packages from one place to another, and yeah. it's very, you know, just just doing a man doing his job. Very delivery man. Very delivery man. Very oh, postman no, pattern in the future. Ghosts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which Don't I, breathe. I, I, I imagine delivery guys have to do with dogs and stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Do, I mean, do you are you? I mean, obviously, you're gaming now still, and you you Twitch stream, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll touch on that. But I mean, in terms of games now, I mentioned Death Stranding. Are you still finding a way to play games regularly now? Like, if you, do you make do you make time in your <clears> schedule <throat> to play games? In like the last six months, a lot less because there's been some game soundtrack stuff. Mm-hmm. There's been bits of like work, and if I get into anything girthy, the gaming wins. Yeah. So, like, when I'm trying to get paid, I shouldn't let the gaming get in the way. It's very that. easy to get sucked in. You look at your watch easy. and go, "I've been here for four hours. What yeah. happened? I've forgotten to eat a meal." Yeah, and like with any game that's got PvP in it, I will lose a day because as you 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 as whatever happens if you play PvP, you turn it on, you lose. Well, I've got to play till I win, or you turn it on, and you win. Oh, this win streak, and you can't keep it going. There's no reason to ever stop. You're either winning, which is great, so you keep playing, or you're losing, which is very frustrating, so you keep playing. Yeah. Until you win, yeah, it's it's a it's a vicious on circle the, on the win streak. Then oh, I can't stop. Oh, I can't wait till the end of this win streak. You know, it's like it's like you're living. We're living the same life here. Yeah, yeah. We're literally living the same life here. I mean, I think the I think the lot of games now as well. Like, I mean, I get sucked into things like FIFA and sucked into mm. a game that we both love and kind of I don't know what words terms hate, but Destiny Two is a mm-hmm. game that we both got sucked into quite a lot. Well, I got sucked in at Destiny One. Like that was directly after Dan and Pip had just finished. We'd spent ten years on the road and mm-hmm. stuff, and I was. I was like in my in my flat, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll just play this Destiny thing." And I told my mates I were not going to get it, and then I was in in the Tesco, the Tesco, yeah. the Tesco. Other supermarkets are available. Other supermarkets, <laughs> but yeah, it was cheap in the Tesco on day mm. release because they do that. They do that. Like, I'll just I'll just give it a go, and then like sixteen hours later, I'm like, "Wait, why am I picking up this?" tinfoil thing yeah off the ground why am i still doing it stop do stop put it down <laughs> and then i managed to put like two thousand hours in destiny one you can get so lost in games like that because with games with constant updates as well like you know different mm. patches different kind of you know dlc things that happen all the time well it's, with it's great. The things like oh we're gonna have daily reset so you get to do some bounties then mm-hmm. each day and we can have a weekly reset and do this and do, do, do. and it, it just ticks like a, a little little dopamine box mm. like the washings piling up around me the pizza boxes are all over me but <laughs> i still feel like i've achieved something today yeah you there's know? a fort of mess around yeah, you but yeah. still it's like it's great because i've grinded it out my light levels are really high right yeah now. my life is literally falling apart around me yeah. but you know what I do have a Galahorn. I got so, I got an exotic. I'm yeah, really happy. So I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess worthwhile. there are people who listening who who haven't played Destiny before as well. So it's a mm. it's a it's a PvP slash well, it's a PVE kind of game. There's like a, there's like a campaign story, but there's also kind of like missions you do with like a group of three of you, like a or like yeah. There's there's a very average story mm-hmm. PVE, but then there's lots of repeatable live servicey PVE content. Yeah, but every time there's a lull in that. What keeps that game alive is the PvP. Yeah. Like that 
the PvP community, especially for Destiny 1, mm-hmm. kind of is the only reason you get a Destiny 2. They, yeah. they filled those six, seven, eight month lulls in content. Yeah. And like for the, because it made for entertaining streaming, I think that kept the game alive in people's minds. Yeah. When you've yeah. got people like Real Crafty and Triple Wreck and all that just smashing Trials of Osiris every weekend. To get the, to get the, the loot and get the, yeah, the good stuff. Yeah, but carrying people through it and mm-hmm. stuff just became kind of... Well, I mean, for me as well, like that game as well, when they introduced the raid element as well, where mm. you've got the, the like, you've got to be a certain six level. Six-man raid. Six-man raid. There are like some of the super convoluted puzzles. people listening right now going, <laughs> six? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> We have 16. <laughs> the raids in Destiny 2 are are very difficult. Like they really You have to really put in a shift to get through those. What I like about them, though, it's not obvious. That thing of, like, some mm. of the difficulty comes from, like, what are we meant to do? Wait, so you've got to grab that and take that there. And there's one in, um, is it in Kingsfall in Destiny 1 where you only know what's going on by looking at the back of one of three pillars. But it means that one of you has to stand next to the boss during yeah. the boss fight. And it's that kind of cool because you wouldn't notice it. It's like it's a, a room looks a bit like a stage. It's very giggy. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you, you would want to go stand on stage with the boss. But, yeah, you just genuinely wouldn't think about it. And you see streamers going, have we got, have we got to learn Hive? Because they're looking at symbols on the wall. And mm. it's like, oh, no, it's literally just one of these pillars lights up on the back. That's all you need to know. But yeah it's the getting there and it is yeah know. it is it's the it's the working i guess as a team to figure yeah. out you know what's going on being the world's first and stuff but i haven't well. touched the most recent raid which no. i'm grateful for because no offense if anyone who raids with me is listening but you're terrible <laughs> i'm not the what the bad one yeah here. dan he's taking a step back because you need to improve your game you need he, to lift it's embarrassing it. it's really it can be a little frustrating with with games like that because they have like a stat strength stat screen when you die mm-hmm. and when like three of you are sitting there having done all the dps and there's one guy who's just like oh i was meant to be shooting the boss oh i'm gonna kill three like, things oh, yeah yeah dude. yeah <laughs> like, we, we have limited time you're because do you you're streaming regularly i mean you were streaming regularly. i was streaming regularly okay and then i realized that was that was silly mm. so i just dropped down to like once or twice a week and just chill and chat it's it's because it is there is this weird i mean I'm, I'm streaming when i when i've had a chance to i get there is a weird buzz you get out of growing your community i think yeah. when you when you see that more people find your channel more people trying to join in the chit the you know got the chit chat um on the uh on the comments and things it's it's great to know that you're kind of growing something but it, as a sustainable way of of living and making mm. an income you've got to you've got to commit like your soul to doing that yeah the people who succeed are the ones doing 50 hours a week and are like spending another 30 hours a week on twitch or on mixer building a community with other streamers yeah and, you know and that's just not something i'm willing to do yeah music's you, the thing i love the most yeah. so that should be the thing i spend the most time doing well music and gaming you mentioned composing some music as well mm-hmm. for um and I, you worked with mike bithell on some mm-hmm. games um tell us Who about did, that. thomas was alone tom um, yeah exactly yeah that was i mean that which was a which is a really abstract kind of adventure just, game just him and danny wallace talking about squares yeah so like bouncing while you're bouncing along I mean, it's it, it and it, I remember when it came. I remember it came. It came out. There was that the community went pretty wild for it because it was such a, a different Huge. take on it. Yeah, yeah, it was really popular. Um, what what have you been working on with um with so, games? 
I've got so I've done a couple of games for him again, like narrative because he's a storyteller. That's mm-hmm. his job. Like working with Pip, he was a storyteller. I kind of see them as the same thing. But um, yeah, he we did a couple of kind of text adventures, a bit more than that, rather than just text on stream. But yeah, called Subsurface Circular and Quarantine Circular. Um, but yeah, it's just an interesting thing with music and gaming and. If I write a song, say I was lucky enough to work with Stormzy, mm-hmm. I'd write a beat that fit for three minutes because that's all you need to listen to. He's got to get his message across and we move on to the next song on the playlist or whatever. In gaming, that doesn't it doesn't work like that. If you're playing, I don't know, Super Meat Boy and you're stuck on a level, you're hearing that music over and over and over yeah. and over. And it's there's like it's a weird skill to be able to find a beat that you listen to and go, yeah, at the same time as you're still listening to it 44 minutes later and going, yeah, <laughs> or at least not, oh, no, not again, not this song. There is a fine line for sure. There, there, it's there really like is. a weird skill. Because in, in, I think it's in quarantine. Is, it, is the, the premise of the game um, that you're talking to an, al- an alien? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like aliens come to Earth and you're, you're literally trying to make those first steps of first contact. That's quite interesting, isn't it? But the world it. itself is, is uh, post apocalyptic. I don't want to spoil any of it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. there's that. And subsurface circular is a similar idea, but you are a essentially a, a security guard on the circle line, but a futuristic circle line. Okay. But you're also a droid. Right. And you can't leave the train ever. Being, being the circle line, are you just constantly apologising for it being broken or Basically, not working? Yeah. Well, it's not in a circle anymore. It's not, why is it taking 10 minutes? Just, just get days. here now. But yeah, so it's kind of <laughs> like these very... Um, the way Mike wrote those games was very much about... They're almost like, you know, you get movies that are just set in one room. Mm. They've got that vibe, but how to break out of that room without ever leaving that room and tell a story from that. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, no, it's really interesting. Do you get quite a, a brief of, of how to, of what they're, they're after? Or are you kind of, oh, this is what the game's premise is. This is what the, kind so, of the, the story arc is. Make something for it. So originally, Subsurface Circular was just, I was just going to write the little stings to each chapter and that'd be it. But he, Mike had these characters called listeners who are just like droids with headphones on. And they're just bobbing away on while you're just going along your... The tube, and I was like, "Well, they can all be listening to music." And like, can Mike? Can you make their heads move at different speeds? And he was like, "Yeah, all right, make his go faster, and I'll give him some drum and bass." So, but yeah, so we we kind of that first one came about more that I was like, "Well, if they're on the tube, they're going to be listening to something, and we're going to hear that." Uh, whereas Quarantine Circular was very much Mike was like, "This is uh, the big revelation chapter. I need." this tension and da 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 you know but again still having to work in loops yeah so like because people read at different speeds yeah again of course, if, I'd, yeah. if I'd written it for a movie I could write exactly to the movement of the person but you know if someone I don't know if someone's second language is English they might have to listen to my music four times before <laughs> they finish reading it is, it, is yeah. it something that you've kind of having had that experience working on like an indie title is it something that you kind of feel that you would want to 
take on if you were like given like a triple a game opportunity is it something can you imagine the breadth of work that would take to actually create game music like that i, I like it would depend what it was if it was like a doom-esque thing where it's quite doom is an album in yeah. itself like you've got each level is a song it's a very i don't know like those closed worlds those more linear linear worlds mm-hmm. i find interesting because you can really get in and feel that space but open world stuff feels a little just doesn't feel as exciting because you the person can kind of hear it out of context yeah i've always liked albums to feel like albums so as you're moving through you're getting taken to different places sure like so- it's weird like if you go and listen to public enemy it takes a nation of millions it's actually a really badly structured album because all the hits are at the start and then you just get essentially b-sides and it's like come on guys yeah you know just just pepper the yeah yeah the, you know but i i think we uh we get to we hear music out of context so much that it's nice when you get the opportunity to tell a story with it you know yeah of course and and still i mean story it's about story games. There's, there's a lot of games out there with like a great narrative anyway. I mean, mm. you've always kind of been a fan of campaign-based games, right? Yeah, like stories, not, like what are some of the Well, I think part, part of it is because like for streaming as well, it's kind of nice. It's actually a nice way to engage with other people. Like when so-and-so does, it's like, no way, oh my God. You know, it's more exciting to me to share that than it would be to, I don't know. Oh, cool cards have gotten exotic. You know, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. excite me. Yeah. Um, well, I get very excited yeah. about the exotic, but you know what I mean. But um, no, I just like what narrative, narrative games can do, especially some of the indie titles, like Observation that came out earlier this year. You're basically the AI on a spaceship and trying to work out what the hell's going on. Mm. Um, like aliens and shenanigans and people mind control going on and stuff, but you're literally seeing the whole game through CCTV. Mm. But yeah, they just managed. Uh, There's a Scottish company called No Code, mm-hmm. and they managed to tell an amazing, enthralling story, like super atmospheric. Feels like 2001 or like the first Alien. In, well, yeah. yeah, you know. That sounds great. I'm like like a that. 15 quid game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Epic. Yeah, Boo, I love it. Yeah. Epic. <laughs> Sorry, the, gamers. The, sorry, gamers. The, uh, I mean, that's the thing. I think, I think with, um, I'm, I'm the same as you are. I, I think, I think they're playing a game where you have, uh, I like to have a beginning and an end of a game. I feel that some games are so open and so mm. vast. I, they almost kind of, they don't put me off, but they always make me think that I don't want to, I know how much time I'm going to have to invest to really get the, you know, get the most out of this. Yeah. And sometimes I'm kind of almost, I, I, I'm turned off by the fact that it's too big a game. And yeah. and that's why I think Destiny for me became so, it almost became too big. And I, every time I, t- I, I jumped back in, I thought, I've missed so much. There's so many things. That's that the I, problem. Yeah, it's like hard. Once you've left it for a bit, how yeah. do you get caught up? How you, you exactly. feel like you've missed out? You've missed out on that bit of armor that was in yeah. one event and you can never get it again. So you always feel a bit. Which is why I'm so I'm, uh, I'm so addicted to, at the moment. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order mm. just come out, so there's a, a obviously Star Wars <clears throat> big tick. Yeah, Star, lightsabers. I mean, come on. But there's like uh, obviously um, the Star Wars hype in general with the m- new movie coming out. But having a game which is relatively linear but has that kind of Dark Souls esque element where you've mm. got to get to certain areas to save your progress. Otherwise, you've got to start from that beginning point. It, it's 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 a grind. But it's a grind that has some kind of kind of control. I can see what I need to do, yeah. what the actual kind of mission statement is, and I'll get there. And it's like, okay, I'm satisfied. Like when you kind of go on that winning streak, you kind of get mm-hmm. to a point. You go, I'm okay to put the controller down now. 
Yeah. Eat again. Clear the mess. But there is just something, I think as well, like, it's easier to share with someone who's not a gamer a, a story game. Like a narrative game, because you can you can say what the game's about, and you can in in just an easier way than like I don't know what's Warcraft about, what's World of Warcraft about, what monsters like, running around, isn't it really? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of less understandable. But if you said to someone, you know, what's Fallout New Vegas about? It's like, well, it's a western, mm. but in a post-apocalyptic land, and it's like, oh, I'm like my my mum would understand those words. Maybe. <laughs> Post-apocalyptic. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I think she's more into a asymmetric uh, PvP. Yeah. Mine too. Mine too. <laughs> she loves I, it. I think, um, I, think you're, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think I think that with... There are so many games as well these days as well that you can't... I mean, you, they're actually remaking a lot of games, as we know. Mm. I mean, one game that I think we're both very excited about is Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, remake, looking forward to which it. Which looks... I mean, you know, there's a game that... On the PlayStation 1 that I played, it had four discs. Mm-hmm. It was... It was it was a game that came out the right time for me. So I was like, this is this is so big. I know it's going to last a while. but And I wasn't really that familiar with the Final Fantasy games. I kind of missed out. But 7 was one. I remember it being on TV, the adverts for it, left, right, and center. I think for a lot of people, it was Every their magazine. First, yeah, you know. it was. Yeah. And I remember playing that and loving it. And the fact that they actually completely reimagined the game. Mm. The same game, but made it for a 21st century audience with using like 4K, whatever, you know, capabilities, 60 FPS plus. It looks phenomenal. Mm. Um, and there's definitely a market for that as well. People going back to a game, despite having played it already, to an extent, playing yeah. it again. Well, we, we've been doing it with movies for years. How mm. many times have we made King Kong now? Like, we, we, there is always going to be nostalgia for certain properties, I suppose. But with gaming, we are just now moving into that, that era of, of, oh, we can now remake that game we can this last few years bear in mind the games industry in this form is quite young mm. it's still like in it's like mid-20s finding its way you know and um it, it's now like looking back at its teenage years and going oh man oh. i really like that haircut i yeah. miss that haircut can i can i, I love clouds wild blonde spiky yeah. thing but you know what i mean like i'm looking forward to Final Fantasy VII, as long as they don't mess up the episodic, yeah, because it that's a problem yeah. for me. When they, 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 I mean, there's been a lot of games over the years, like franchises that I, I love the fact they brought back. I mean, I think Doom and Wolfenstein have made huge, They've done really, really well. great. Bethesda's nailed those. I think the fast-paced action. FPS and the soundtracks element. are amazing yeah, as well. They are. Doom 2016 is like rambunctious metal, but it's it amazing so well. I, I mean, Cyberpunk next year as well. Mm-hmm. I reckon the soundtrack to that is going to be. Banging. Fingers crossed, right? Yeah, I hope so. It's it's CD Projekt Red, so they should be fine. I think so. I think so. They won an award last week, the Golden Joysticks Awards. Yeah. And they they won the Most Wanted Game Award, which they also won the year before. (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) Two years in a row. We still haven't released the game yet, but we've already won two awards. Yeah. So Um, weird. I mean, gaming is as well so much we talk, you know. Streaming as well, we, we talked about, but there's, as of the time of recording this, um, Google Stadia came out yesterday. It did. There's a yeah. whole new way of, of playing games now, which is on like a cloud People seem service. a bit grumpy about it. They do, yeah. It's, it's, you know, for those, again, who, who aren't familiar with, with, with the cloud gaming element, basically it kind of, it kind of cuts out the need for a, for a console or like a, like a PlayStation yeah. or an Xbox and basically connects you directly using Google and a special controller they've made. You basically Chromecast games, your library into your into your you know smart your smartphone, mm. TV, 
laptop, whatever it is, and play games. And yeah, I think you can stream those games directly to like Twitch, YouTube gaming, whatever it might be. I think directly to YouTube gaming. I think. Oh, is it specific? Really, oh, okay. I think if for Twitch, you might have to capture it like you would a game. Right. Okay. Obviously, it makes sense being Google and YouTube. And, yeah, they want to. They want to because that, that that's um that's I mean that's a whole new way of I guess. I mean, the guarantees they've made, like, you know, zero lag. There's going to be you know, mm. no latency. It's going to be pure, you know, 4K. That is a big, bold statement to make. You know, it is. On, on, going on Google servers and just hoping that that's going to work. And, like, the idea of it's amazing. Mm. And, like, we, we're all, most of us are probably using some bit of software that has some cloud functionality to it, whether that be just moving files around or, like, some processing's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, in the music industry, there's... The last thing you do before you release a, a record is you master it, which just brings all the levels up for radio and all that. There's a there's cloud-based mastering now, so you can just throw it and some AI somewhere is going to go, hmm, let's just make this nice for Radio 1 yeah. for you. Here you go. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah. Um, but, like, so we've it's something that's happening, but with Google Stadia bringing something so interactive and live into our hands yeah it's pretty bold of them to try it absolutely i mean yeah we you know at the same time playstation i think playstation now is the kind of their cloud they've been doing it a while yeah me and my me and my partner because she lives in the states uh for a while we were playing critter crunch uh, against each other through playstation now and uh she demolished me every time like, if there was an esports scene for Critter Crunch, at one point she was on their leaderboards, number two in the world. Wow, which okay. is crazy. She, yeah, that's crazy. She had a lot of time on her ass <laughs> before she met me. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I keep. Now you're just playing. You're doing raids in Destiny now. She, that's that's <laughs> yeah, that, that consumes her. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like, but she's very good at it. But I put it down to lag. Yeah, yeah. She demolished me every time, like to the point that I was, I regressed to thirteen year old. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to play anymore. I'm done. That's fine. I've, I've got work to do. I'm going to go do my accounting. <laughs> I think. Uh, I mean, with that, Microsoft, I jumped in with Project X Cloud as well. It's a very, very similar kind of mm. platform. I mean, it'll be interesting to see where this where this goes. Really, I think it's, it's like, bold. Like from the point of view, there's there's a few things about it though. It's like if Stadia, if Google were using their their girth to design games that are designed for streaming yeah that might have made more sense than just launching with existing stuff you know having yeah. assassin's creed when we we you've already got a comparable point of reference yeah. i can play that on any platform almost yeah. and see that playing it on my console or on my pc is better than it yeah. is going to run on stadia yeah but if they'd been investing into commissioning specific stuff that maybe doesn't quite need can cope with a little bit of latency Mm -hmm. i think it would have given google a bit more leeway maybe some more positive reviews because i genuinely think all these companies launching now are just trying to be the first yeah so that when the internet speeds catch up in a few years time they're they're the name in that they're the big name in that like it's it's that thing with um Spotify. Mm-hmm. We talk about Spotify. We don't talk about streaming platforms. Yeah. We don't talk about Deezer or Apple Apple Music. Maybe we always talk about Spotify because they were they're the one who got the the market, and maybe that's what PlayStation Now and all that are trying to do. Yeah. But there is that weird problem with the business of it as well because, like, Netflix is amazing. 
for us, the consumer. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah. But the way Netflix works is depends on the project. But generally what they do is you're going to make your show. How much does it cost? Tenner. All right, we'll give you 12 quid. So they give you like the cost of it plus like 20%, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you think of that in terms of, I don't know, Stardew Valley, if he'd been given the cost plus 20%, he walks away with like 20 grand, maybe not even that, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Or he gets to make that game and blow up and make potentially, I don't know how much money they made from that, but say, let's say millions and make way more games off the back of that. Yeah. Like that whole kind of Netflix for gaming model might not work for everyone. Yeah. You know, I completely agree. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think the, um, it's going to be, it's an interesting experiment. I mean, I've, I've, I've been watching a lot recently about how, you know, with all these cloud services coming about, I, I've, at the same time, it's the first time I've seen it, you know, we mentioned streamers and things as well. A lot of them now are being signed up to certain platforms as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the Ninjas and, you know, and, you know, kind of Ewok last week being signed up to the Mixer. Shroud went to Shroud, Mixer as Shroud well. went to Mixer as well, yeah. Um, you know, these are, these are hugely prevalent, like, Twitch streamers predominantly. The weird thing is as well, with that, with Mixer, I, they're not, those people aren't actually going to be generating Mixer a huge amount of money. What that feels like is, well, there's a lot of younger people who like Ninja. Mm-hmm. If we can get when they're ready to start streaming, if their first choice platform is Mixer, Mixer suddenly get way more content, way more new people coming up, and the potential of the next Ninja or whatever coming through. Yes, yeah, of course. Because at the moment, they, they average around... The amount of viewers total on the platform at peak is yeah. about the same as the mm-hmm. amount of people streaming on Twitch at peak. Yeah. So they're, they're still very, very, very small in comparison, but they've got that money. To- yeah. But, I mean, even like even YouTube gaming, which I didn't think was a thing anymore. They sign like someone like courage, yeah. like courage and, you know, even, um, what other, what other platforms are there? I mean, there, there are, there are, there are a bunch of people who are basically committing themselves, like committing their, the, the, as a streamer committing themselves to a particular platform for a certain yeah. amount of time and you almost feel that kind of it's like trading players like kind of like a like a like a you know be that basketball stars whatever where you commit yourself it to is one sports sports is a really good analogy though yeah you're, you're signing a, a a person to play for your team for a exactly. period of time yeah, and right. um obviously we've done it in film and tv you would sign up to a studio for x amount of years or x amount of movies or projects or mm-hmm. whatever so it's not like a weird thing for the the entertainment industry to do. It's just that in gaming, we're kind of gamers, capital G gamers, see themselves as a community. Even if they're lots of little different communities, everyone looks at each other and goes, well, we all love games. Hmm. We're all, And as soon as big companies come along and say, well, you can love that game, but you can only buy it here and you can only do this and you can only, this guy is only allowed to play that game it starts getting a little like oh don't don't break up our community <laughs> but it's inevitable that it's going to happen yeah in some is. way because there's so. money in it there is and it all comes out i mean a lot of it comes down to money at the end always of the day. always you know i can't even imagine the amount of money that some of these streamers have been paid to join those platforms and commit themselves fully to a particular like, place i genuinely think the amount of money that ninja potentially got is probably more than he's actually going to generate from them for them directly like way more but you know what that's if you spend money on advertising that's all that is you know exactly exactly um before i let you go dan i've got to ask you favorite game of all time 
give it to me? I know, I know it's a really hard question. I've, I've asked, I've, I've, I've asked guests on this show all the time about favorite games, and it's hard to say because because I always attach it to certain memories, like different games for different times in my life. Yeah, there's one you had to say is like, okay, that's the one I could have almost always come back to in my on, top list. Honestly, like it's um, a game called Super Meat Boy. And it's a great game. It's platformer. It's like something. It taught me that I was better at games than I thought I was, but not as good as I'd like to be. Yeah. You know, the soundtrack, Danny Baranowski's soundtrack is amazing. So if you play it on PC, that's the soundtrack you hear. It's just so good. And it, it got me excited about, oh, I could make music for games. It was the game that made me think I could do that. Um, and yeah, it's just a little cube of meat running around into saw blades. And yeah. It is a beautifully simplistic but bloody addictive game. Like, there's, yeah, I felt better completing that game than I ever did, like, soloing a raid on Destiny or anything like that. You finish a level that is so hard and you just go, yes! Yeah, like, like, a, a, like a level that the first time you see it, you take one step and die. Yeah. Even though I'm not 17, my reflexes still work. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still worried, functioning. I, I've not touched Meat Boy in like two years and I'm like, Maybe, maybe just it's save all it. gone now. Just, just save it. It That's happened it. once and you, and you smashed yeah. it. So oh, well, I've there. completed, uh, fully unlocked everything in it twice now. So I've done it. You've, so I don't you, mate, you, do it you've, done, you've done your time. You've yeah. done your time. I'm, the, I'm not ever going to play Boshi, thankfully. But you've done do you know it. that game? I don't know Boshi. I want to be the Boshi. There's uh, this really, really the hardest platformer of all time, air quotes. I want to be the guy. And there was a guy who played that called Bo- Boshi. Mm-hmm. And he was complaining it wasn't hard enough right. so somebody came along and made i want to be the boshy and they just steal like characters from street fire in it <laughs> but it's still like ridiculously hard uh, plat- platformer and uh yeah Bo- it was too so hard boshy quit playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> like he was like no nah, it's too hard man no it's, it's crazy but yeah it's insane oh wow if I- you ever get to watch uh the witwicks uh gdc no gdq games done quick of I want to be the Boshi. Mm-hmm. Watch it. It's amazing. I want to be the Boshi. I want to be the Boshi. He's like that joy of like someone who's better at games than you'll ever be, yet whilst quipping with, with the oh, audience. Mate. Like, all right, lads. Showboating. Show off. Yeah, absolute show Bloody off. show off. Um, mate, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been thank great you. to have you here. And uh, yeah, if, you, if you're still streaming, I'm going to catch your streams. Yeah, every now and again. You're podcasting. You're doing all kinds of different things. We didn't talk about that. Yeah, but yeah. yes, I have a podcast. Okay. And stuff. What's the podcast called? Falling Forward with Dan Lasek. Falling... It's a series of conversations <laughs> between creators. It's generally like I used to be about creativity. Now it's just me and whoever makes stuff. Brilliant. Going, oh, you made that. That's so cool. That's awesome. Let's talk about that for a bit. That's great. Um, yeah, check out Dan's podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here. Thank man. you for and, having uh, me. I'll see you online. Yeah. I thought. <laughs> you don't want to know what I do online. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Be sure to catch me next week for another episode of The Savage Situation. Thanks to Fourth Floor Creative for supporting the series. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube as well. A massive thanks to you guys for listening to this episode of the Savage Situation Podcast. It's been so much fun. Uh, do as well. Make sure to check out the YouTube videos. Mentioned this at the beginning. We have all these videos of the, the episodes on YouTube. We also have as well highlight clips. So make sure to check it all out. Savage Situation Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram. You know, we want to grow this community 
as big as we can. And you guys have been so supportive so far and it's going to get bigger, better, faster, stronger. Thanks so much for listening. Take care and we'll see you next week. That's right, on the next one. Take care for now. Thank you and bye-bye. <laughs>